Good morning. I want to welcome you to First Church this morning. My name's Britt, and uh, if you're new with us this morning and you didn't get a communion element and you want to take communion with us, just raise your hand. Somebody will go grab one for you, or you're welcome to step out there in the lobby just outside each door. There's a basket. Uh, just a few announcements this morning. Senior Adult Ministry Lunch, Wednesday, September 6th at 11.30 at Johnny's. Uh, Kids Joy Conference, September the 10th. 6 to 7.30 for any kids K through 5. Uh, they'll be learning uh, about the difference between joy and happiness. Uh, the Chosen Season 3 will be starting next uh, Sunday, September the 10th, 6 o'clock, right here in this room. And uh, we, have, we watch uh, episode every Sunday and have discussion. And it's a really good time, uh, especially it's entertaining when we start because I can't see the little print on the screen, so Terry has to tell me where to move the mouse. It's fun. Anyway, <coughs> who we are. If you are new to FCC and would like to learn more about who we are and what we believe, plan on joining us Sunday evening, October 8th at 6 p.m. right here. So if you're not standing, if you would stand and uh, as Brooke Holly comes up and reads some scripture this morning. Good morning. I'll be reading from uh, Psalms 100, uh, verses 1 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we are able to join together and um, come and worship you in your house today, Lord. And I thank you so much that you loved us enough to send your only son to die on that cross for us, even though we certainly didn't deserve it. You did it anyway. And this morning, I pray specifically for boldness. I pray that we are able to um, just tear down any uh, hesitancies that we have and be able to lift our hands and our voices in praise to you, Lord, because you deserve it all. We thank you so much for sending your son, and we love you. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Death was 
You can be seated. Excuse me. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Mark Hall. I'm an elder here at First Church. And um, this week, while I was um, thinking about this communion time that was coming up, I was trying to prepare for this time. I was, I was thinking about um, the Lord's Supper, and um, I was also reading my Bible. And one of the the books that I read was uh, I was reading through the book of Daniel where where Daniel refused the uh, the palace meal and it, and it made me think about all of the instances in the Bible where uh, it talks about food and the importance of food and you know just some that popped to my mind you know the the forbidden fruit um, all of the laws that are in in the Old Testament that tells us about to tells the Jews what is clean and unclean to eat uh, the manna coming down from heaven. Um, uh, also in the New Testament, um, where Jesus feeds the masses with the, the fish and the loaves. And, and, and then, you know, the Last Supper. And, you know, it just it made me think about, you know, the importance of this. And I started looking at the importance of, of, of sharing meals together. Um, so we know, we know the, the, the importance of, of eating, you know, that along with, with shelter and water, that's, that's basically essential to life. But sharing meals together is also extremely important. Um, studies have shown that families that sit down together and share meals together, they're, they're typically healthier. Um, the s studies have also shown that those families, their children, um, have lower incidences of childhood obesity, lower incidences of teen pregnancy, lower incidences of depression. Um, and, and also, another thing that's extremely important is what we find out is during that time, there was another poll where they asked kids when, when they were most likely to communicate with their parents. And about 80% of them said the time that they talked to their parents is during mealtime. So, you know, the physical aspect, the, the nourishment portion of, of, of eating is one thing, but also uh, there's much more to that. And it's just like this communion time. You know, it, it's, it's important that we come in, in here and we, we reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, but it's also important that we do it together. Um, you know, Jesus said, we, we know the importance of physical nourishment, but we also need spiritual nourishment. Jesus said that um, he was the bread of life and that anyone that comes to him will never go hungry or never be thirsty. And he also tells us that, that to truly live, we need to take his flesh, we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. That was a little bit hard for those people at that time, but we, we understand what that means. He went on to say that the, your ancestors or the Israelites, they had... They had bread from heaven above, and they ate manna, and they still died. So for us to truly live, we need to take our fit, uh, spiritual nourishment 
from Jesus. So here in a few moments, we're going to, we're going to take time. We're going to take communion collectively. But first and foremost, uh, we're going to take a time here, uh, a moment of silence so we can all go to God in our individual ways and reflect on the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. So I'd ask that you guys uh, would take out your emblems. And as a reminder about why we're here at this time, um, during this communion time, just remember that the worst thing that could possibly happen ever happened to the best person that ever lived. And it was because of us, our sin put him there. And um, this piece of bread or this, this wafer, it represents his body that was broken that day for us. And this juice, it represents his blood that covered all of our sins that day on the cross. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, you're just, you're so good, God. Uh, we know that Everything good, uh, everything that is, everything that we need in our lives comes from you. Father, we're so thankful for the fact that you always provide what we need. Maybe not what we want, but you always provide for what we need. Lord, I pray that uh, each and every one of us would go our separate ways this week and that we dig in deeper into your word and become closer to you, Lord, and we consume you as that you as you've told us that uh, it's only through you uh, the nourishment that we get through you lord that, that we have life lord uh, we all love you and we know that you love us beyond what we could imagine it's in your name we pray amen good morning first church i like it sounded good this morning if you're uh, here visiting with us for the first time uh, today, my name is Ben James. I'm the lead pastor. We are glad to have you with us, worshiping and glorifying God together. Uh, this morning, we are back into the book of Hebrews, into our study of the letter to uh, the Hebrews. 
We're in chapter 11, so if you want to go ahead and start, uh, you know, and turn there, that would be good. We are going to be covering the topic and the theme today of confident hope. Now, we've been a few weeks away, uh, so we want to kind of attach this to where we left off in our study of Hebrews, which was at the end of chapter 10. Uh, chapter 10 really begins the true application and imperative commands portion of the book of Hebrews. So we went through the let us statements, you know, let us draw near unto God. Let us encourage one another. Let us not uh, forsake the fellowship, um, being together with other believers. But at the very end of chapter 10, we see a call to what the ESV terms patient endurance, where the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the recipients of the letter to patiently endure what they're going through. Now, when we did this, it was on the last Sunday of the month, and it was a fifth Sunday, and every fifth Sunday, we have uh, like a family Sunday where we have our kids in here with us. And kids are just so daggum cute, aren't they? I mean, like they can do things and get away with it that if we as adults did it, it wouldn't be like, oh, look how cute that is. And they can express themselves in ways that adults can't either, right? Like, I mean, there's sometimes kids will say something or do something and they're so cute, they get away with it. Where we as adults, if we were to try to do that, that would never happen. Like, you know, our spouse would be kicking us, or at least mine would. And, and we've you know, we, we talked about patient endurance. That was the title of the message. And I think we've got a really good visual of what patient endurance looks like here at First Church that most of you adults, I know a handful of you, uh, would really love to be able to do here frequently on a Sunday morning, but you can't because you're not cute enough, right? So here's ultimate cuteness showing what patient endurance at FCC Grayson looks like. I mean, there I am in the background, the faithful, and she's just like, I'm done. <laughs> I am so done with this guy right now. And let's just be honest, if you get away with it, you'd be laying right there with her, just like, I'm done. Isn't that the cutest thing you've seen? <laughs> I was like, all right, spent, it's over. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's, uh, we're going to be reading the first three verses this morning. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather here and to be able to glorify you, worship you together, and learn from your word. Father, I just ask that you help to open our hearts and our minds this morning as we receive your word. God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. God, clear uh, my mind. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak through me the words that you want spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. So throughout this letter so far in the book of Hebrews, we've seen a pretty consistent theme. 
We see in the first chapter, we see in the second chapter, we see in the fifth chapter, in the sixth chapter, these commands, uh, it's a clarification point to where it says that in these days, God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And then the commandment and the encouragement and the theme that follows and continues through this letter is the fact of do not drift away from your faith in Jesus Christ. The author's recognizing the persecution. He is recognizing all of the situation, the strife, the struggle, the sorrows that the people are going through, the difficulty that they're facing. And the author continues over and over and over and over again to drive home this theme of patient endurance, of do not drift away from your faith. Now this, the, chapter 11, many of you will know chapter 11 as what maybe is called, what has been commonly referred to as like the hall of faith. With all of these great Old Testament men and women of God, it starts at creation, it goes through the prophets, and it kind of goes chronologically, with the exception of one. All right, I'm not going to spoil that for you this week. Go home, figure out which one is not in chronological order. Don't have a clue why, but there's one that's transposed with another. Don't have a clue as to why that is, but there's one. So go home, read the entirety of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, the tendency and what often happens in Hebrews chapter 11 when you walk through it from an expository fashion is that you begin to go into character studies of each and every one of these men and women that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And that's not wrong to do so. But I feel like the author is not necessarily encouraging a deep dive study into these men and women, but rather focusing the attention on them so that we can be encouraged to continue to patiently endure and to proceed in confident faith. You see, Hebrews chapter 11 isn't a story about the heroes of the Bible. Because there's only one hero of the Bible, and that's God himself. Like, we can look to these men and women, and we can be inspired by them. We can learn lessons from them, and we can see in their lives where they truly sold out in their lives to God. But the reality is, all of these men and women were flawed, imperfect people. And it's more of a testament to the hero of the Bible being willing to use these flawed, fallible men and women regardless of what they had done. In light of all of their failures, it's a story of the hero of the Bible using them in spite of all of these things. And that's the same with you and I. How many of you have ever been to Canton, to the Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame? It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a pretty nice little place. I, I worked up in the area for a while and took a trip over there and, uh, you know, through Canton. And the beauty of the Hall of Fame is that the purpose behind it is to not only recognize 
these great, these great men who have played this sport and stood head and shoulders above uh, the others for so long. It's not simply about bringing recognition to their name. They'll tell you very quickly that they want to inspire others to greatness. You see, the Football Hall of Fame is not about simply just recognizing greatness in others. It's about trying to spur and encourage others on to achieving greatness. And I believe that's the intent of the writer here through the book of Hebrews is to push us forward in our faith, to encourage us, to motivate us to keep going, to not drift away, to patiently endure, no matter what hardship or what trial you're going through, to stay steady in your pursuit of the Lord. And he begins writing this through the lens of our faith. Now, this is going to kind of serve as a part one in an ongoing sermon, so to speak, because there may be, there's going to be, uh, there's no, no maybe to it, there are, there's going to be some things that I'm, I may address and not give full clarification to, easy with the sarcasm, okay, because it'd be like, well, what's different from this Sunday, right? <laughs> But I'm going to be addressing some things, and then we'll be coming back to them in later weeks as we go through. But faith in the life of a believer is the foundation for hope. Faith in our lives is a foundation for hope. And that's what this verse, these, these first three verses, uh, this introduction into this passage is really communicating to us is this faith being the conviction, being the evidence, being a substance. And it says it's an assurance of things hoped for, but not yet seen. You see, there's a lot of hopelessness that's going on in our world right now. And I would dare say that there's quite a few areas of hopelessness that you've experienced in your life as well whether you're currently walking through something in which your hope is being challenged, I know that we've all been through things in which hope seems to be in short supply. I know I've been there frequently. And one of the things that I can look back on and learn a lesson from is that when hope is waning in my life, it's also times when my faith has been shaken the most. And you know what? Let me just say this. It's okay for you to struggle with your faith from time to time. Now, I'm not encouraging the faith of questioning the existence of God, the, the foundation of Jesus Christ and that, but there are times when our faith, it, it's shaken, right? I mean, please tell me I'm not the only one. Like, you know, there are times that my faith has been shaken, and I can look, and whenever that is happening, there's a direct correlation to the amount of hope that I have in my life. And vice versa, when I can look and there's very little hope in my life, my faith is being challenged. But yet when I'm full of hope, then my faith really seems to be strong. You see, a main theme about faith, and we're going to learn about this more next week, is faith allows us 
to come to, to believe that he is, and to trust in God. You see, the beautiful thing about faith is that it's not only about the past. We not only, we not only have faith in what has taken place, but we also can have faith in the present. That I can believe God and have faith and hope in Him for my present situations and my present circumstances. But it's not limited to just those two either. It's also futuristic. You see, it's by faith that I come to God. And that I know that my past, my failures, my sins, my shortcomings, all of those have been covered by the blood of Jesus when I come to God. I can believe that he is through my faith in this time, in this moment, in this present struggle, in my present sufferings and trials. I can know that he is God by faith. And I can trust God with my future because I trust that he is God. I trust that he is sovereign. I trust that he is good. I trust that his promises are for me. I trust in Romans 8, 28, that even if bad things are happening, God will work it for my good. I trust in the blessings of God, whether I'm walking in them currently or not. That's where the challenge is, isn't it? I mean, because we see in verse 2 in this passage, it says that the ancients were commanded or I'm sorry, commended by God. That the ancients were commended by God. Why? Why were the ancients commended by God? Because of their faith. It was because of their faith and their trust that they had in God, that they found favor in his sight. It's not because they lived a perfect life. It's not because they somehow qualified themselves in a way that's different than you and I. They were sin-filled, flawed, terrible people at times. Look through every example that's listed in this verse, and you will see that it is by their faith that they're commanded. And that's what the writer's encouraging the original readers and is encouraging us to do, is to be assured, to have this confidence. You know, this, this Greek word assurance here that, that's translated into assurance, the best way I think that we could relate it to our language today and our culture today would be like a title or a deed that we possess. Like, I was, I was talking to, I've never been a, a big motorcycle guy. It's just something that I'm just not interested in. But I know that there are a lot of people who are. And I was talking to a gentleman that I, you know, I'm still friends with to this day, and I said, hey, man, you still got your motorcycle in your garage? He was like, yes, and it's mine. I'm like, okay, okay, easy, easy. Like, listen, unless it's got training wheels on it, I require, I require four, at least four wheels. He was like, I've got the title to it. You want to say, I'm like, no, it's good. 
Like, but the, his proof that it was his, that he possessed it, wasn't in the fact that it was in his garage. He could have been storing it for a friend. He could have stolen it, right? So, I mean, the proof that it's yours is not about it being there. The proof is in the assurance. The proof is in God's promise. And I believe that that's one of the things that these ancients were commended for was because they had taken possession of God's promises, whether they were walking in them yet or not. And I think that that's why they were commended. And I believe it's the same for you and I. How many of you in here, and I would like to see a show of hands on this, do you know that there is a promise of God that you are not walking in yet, that you've not seen yet, a, a blessing, a promise, something that you know is a promise of God, but you're not walking in it yet. You don't see it just yet. You see, I believe that that's why they were commended by God because they believed and trusted in Him, in His promises, even when they had not seen them. And I believe it's the same for you and I. And I believe this is where God is wanting to change our focus this morning. I believe this is the place that believers... Listen, the struggle is real, isn't it? I mean, like life. The struggle is real. And if, if your all's life is like mine, there's rarely a day when something does not present itself that challenges me, that challenges my faith, that challenges my hope, that challenges my focus to where I have to make sure that I am focusing on Jesus Christ, focusing on His promises, focusing on His words, and not on what life continues to seem to throw at me. So I believe that this is a time that's critical for you and I to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ, focused on His promises that He has made to us, that He has revealed to us, that through His Word He has shown to us whether we are walking in them currently or not. Because this is what the ancients were commended for, and I believe that that is the same for you and I. So what are some of these promises? Well, we don't see any in this passage that we read today. So I'm not going to try to suppose some things into this passage, this particular passage that's not there. But what I think we can do is we can search the remainder of Scripture. We can look in His Word and we can see all kinds of promises that you and I may not be walking in just yet. But yet they're promises of God. And I believe that the first one is that we have a deeper relationship with God. 
right? That we could walk in a deeper relationship with him. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. Seek him first. And this is a promise. Draw close unto me, and I will draw close unto you. God is wanting us to get deeper into his presence, deeper in our relationship with him. And I know that for this preacher in particular, I could do a better job at that. There are depths of his presence. There is a depth of relationship with him that I have not obtained yet that is promised to me. And I know that it's true. I know that he's faithful. And I need to be pursuing it. So a deeper relationship with him. Next, how about a greater spreading of the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ, right? We can share in the gospel all the more. Next slide, please. Acts chapter 1-8. There we go. <laughs> greater spreading of the gospel. Acts 1-8 indicates to us that Jesus tells us that I'm giving you power by my Holy Spirit to go and spread the good news of the gospel, both near and both far away. So that's, a, that's another area of promise that we could walk into as a greater, greater spreading of the good news of the gospel. What about becoming more like him? Becoming more like him. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 tells us to be imitators of Christ. To love the way that he loves. To talk the way that he talked. To, to engage and embrace people the way that he did. To love them the way that he did. I, I personally can tell you that I need a lot of growth in this area. And I think it would be a safe assumption for me to say that all y'all do too. Like, this is a promise that I've not completely and fully walked into just yet, but I know that it's something that he's promised, that I can and need to be more like him. How about the promise of his return? We talked about this last week in John 14, that he goes to prepare a place for us, but he will come back for us. Is anybody else just find yourself hanging at times on the fact of waiting on his return? It's like finding yourself at this place of just like, you know, verbalizing this, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Right? It's like, I don't know what else has to happen for you to come back, but I'm kind of ready. It's okay to look forward to his return. And John 14 tells us that he is coming back for us. How about, how about our own resurrection? John chapter 11, Jesus says that I am the resurrection. And if you believe in me, if you follow me, you're going to live even after death. That new glorified body. Anyone? The new glorified body? Okay, the younger you are, the less qualified you are to amen here. <laughs> oh, the body that has a full head of hair. Oh, the body that does not make inadvertent sounds when you move. 
right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I get up out of my chair and my wife's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. Why? She's like, you made something that sound like a walrus, you know, trying to get up out of your chair. I'm just like, didn't mean to. But being able to see Jesus face to face, to be able to worship him. You know, we, we sang a, a couple songs here that, that talked about God being holy. You know, Scripture declares that the cherubim that are around his throne are declaring holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, that's in, in the Old Testament, which was written primarily in Hebrew, whenever they wanted to put an emphasis on a word, you know, they, they would do so in the translations by capitalizing it. When they wanted to put a lot of emphasis on a word, they would not only capitalize it in the translation, but they would say it twice. And this holy, holy, holy is one of the very few times that we see something translated not only in all caps, but three times. Because they're trying to capture the weight of the statement that the angels are making. The angels that were created in the very presence of God are still taken so aback by His glory, His majesty, and found in such awe and wonder that one holy isn't enough. Two holies isn't enough. And to be frank with you, three capitalized holies is not enough to capture the majesty of God Almighty. And that is the future that we have as believers in Jesus Christ in store for us. And that's something to look forward to. Amen? That is something to be encouraged by. That is something to have faith in. That is something to have hope in. That I know that even though I've not seen Him face to face just yet, brothers and sisters, there's a day coming. There's a time coming to where the troubles and the struggles and the sufferings of this present age pales in comparison to the glory that we're going to behold when we're face to face with Jesus Christ. So I think the question has to be asked this morning. Are we too caught up in the here and now? Are we caught up in the here and in the now? Do we have too much of our focus occupied by what's happening in our lives right now? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying stick your head in the sand. I'm not saying go live in a monastery somewhere. I'm not saying, well, listen, if y'all have got land in a place I can go live off grid, talk to me after service. But I'm not saying to detach ourselves from the reality of what we have in the here and now. But when we become so consumed with the here and now that it begins to take our focus off of the promise of what awaits us, when it takes our focus off of what God has already done in our lives, how faithful He has already been to us, when it takes our focus off how faithful He is to us in the today, because I promise you, no matter how bad your today is, if you look for it, you will find blessings galore that you are undeserving of that comes through the giver of all good and perfect gifts. 
It is through this focus that then we will begin to see in greater detail that the sufferings, the trials, the hurt, the grief, the sorrow, the stresses and the worries of this present day pale in comparison to what we are going to experience one day when we see Jesus face to face. It is that confidence. It is that assurance that we need in our life. There's a quote from a commentator writer, William Lane, that I want to share with you. If you wouldn't mind to give me the next slide, Austin. It's not working. It's not there. So you're acting like this is my fault. It's not how this goes. This is recording now, so now I'm going to have to edit a video. All right, so. All right, William Lane, old dead guy. It seems less and less relevant right now. <laughs> he has this quote that he says that true faith in God is celebrating future blessings now. Faith in God is being able to celebrate future blessings now. How would your life look different this morning if instead of being so weighed down and so preoccupied with what's wrong, with the pain that you're feeling. And again, we're not, we're, we're not trying to say those are invalid, okay? We're not trying to act like they don't exist. But how would your life be and look different if we focused and celebrated the promises of God that we've yet to experience rather than get pulled down by the weights and the sorrows of this life. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. That's the application portion of this. Is take the promises of God. And we'll talk a little bit more because there's, there's kind of, in our minds, there should be levels to promises. And we'll, I'll, I'll detail this a little bit later. But listen... The, the promise of God isn't dependent upon you getting a remodeled kitchen. Okay? I would love a remodeled kitchen. I'd love to have my kitchen remodeled. I mean, not by me. <laughs> not by me. But if I never get a remodeled kitchen, then that can't, I guess, God, God's not real. There's, listen, I mean, we kind of chuckle. Let's be honest. But how much differently would our lives look if instead of being preoccupied and consumed with all the things that are wrong, all the hurt, all the grief, all the sorrows that you're experiencing now, all the stresses, if we would stop getting lost in those and turn our eyes towards Jesus and just say, Lord, thank you 
Because I know that you're working this for my good. And I know that someday the sufferings of this present age are going to fade away because I am seeing you face to face. I'm going to ask the praise team, if they would, to join me back up on stage this morning. Celebrate. Celebrate the promises that you're not experiencing yet. These future blessings that God is sending your way, celebrate those now and praise His name for what He's done for you, what He's doing for you, and what He will do. Because guess what, my friends? None of us are worthy of any of the blessings that He's given us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together real quickly. Father, I, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the challenge in our hearts this morning. God, strengthen our faith. Don't let us drift away. Let us continue to look to you. Don't let the cares of this world discourage us, defeat us, cause doubt to rise in our hearts. God, when we face these as they are inevitable, God, help us to turn our eyes to Jesus to look full in His wonderful face. Father, I pray for every heart that's here this morning that You would strengthen, encourage, and uplift their countenance, Father. Strengthen our hearts for You. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, then I encourage you to make that decision this morning. Respond to that calling that's on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit that's pulling you. If you're here and you know Jesus, you've served Him, you've, you've lived for the Lord for a while, that we know very easily and very quickly that that doesn't save us or disqualify us for any type of hurt or any type of pain that this life... Actually, Jesus said that in this life there will be sorrows. If you need prayer for anything this morning please, please come. That way we can join with you, partner with you at this time of prayer. Prayer team, if you would, come. Everyone else, please stand and let's worship again this morning.
thank you for, um, like Ben talked about, your promises um, and all your many blessings. Um, we just thank you for the most important promise that we can have from you, and that's the eternal life with you. And we thank you for just everything, God. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great day. <laughs>